Hey, this is Megan from Sheep to You, and you're listening to Bob and Kevin on the Schwagcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the center ring. See the monkey climb the pole. Look out, monkey! Let them have cake. Didn't even hear it coming. If, if that was a car driving down the road, you would have just blown the rear axle and dropped the transmission. Oh, jeez. Check. Later. You need to check. Who has? Make me a drink. Hi, this is Hazel from Animo, and you're listening to Swagcast with your hosts Kevin and Bob. Welcome to the party! <laughs> XX. Welcome to 20. Wow. Swagcast number 20. 20? Can you believe it? Excellent. And uh, here we are, getting close to mid-February. Hi, that reminds me, uh, near the end of February, Matthew Ebel is going to be releasing his beer and coffee down in uh, the uh, French Quarter Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee. Is he going to go all the way down to Nashville and what? He's from Nashville. Where is he going? He lives in Nashville. He's releasing it in Nashville. Oh, okay. So he's going to go down. Matthew will be releasing beer and coffee on the streets. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He might get a, a citation for that. Be sure to pick up some beer and coffee. Right, and tell him you heard it here. On the Schwagcast. So we got a special show tonight. Yeah, it's a little special something or other, kind of like what we did with the Mad Hats and Common Ground on yep. uh, shows 12 and 10, respectively. Exclusive show tonight. With? With Animo. Excellent. So we'd like to welcome Animo to the Swagcast. I, I dig their accent, I gotta tell you. I, I lived over in uh, in England for a couple years. Oh, right, whenever you're in the Air Force. Right, yeah, right okay. next to a, really close to a town called Ipswich. And I'm sure all the folks it's from Animo know where that is. It's sure. 60 or 70 miles from London. I was over there for a couple of years digging the culture, and I had a great time over there. Yeah. Learned how to play darts over there, and I would drink in pubs and smack my head on the beams because the do ceilings are so low. Do they serve the low. beer like room temperature in the pubs? Some yeah, of the you beer? can get, yeah, okay. yeah, some do, and it's chilled too. And, mm-hmm. and what, one thing I found out, and if I'm wrong, I'm sure these guys are going to call me back and say, You know what? You're stupid. It's not like that. But <laughs> from my recollection, <laughs> what I think is uh, each pub, how it, has, how it gets its name is from its brew. It's, it's brew of the pub. You know, it makes its own recipe. So my hat's off to the UK. <laughs> I had a good time. It was a while ago. But yeah, an Odeon is a theater in England. Okay. So but I saw Gary Moore at the Hammersmith Odeon. So as Bob was saying, uh, we have an exclusive show with, with the band of Animo. Uh, they're basically, I think, a, a three-piece band, although they, they may have a fourth member unknown to me. Uh, Hazel Woodhurst is a vocalist, and she does a little piano on the side. Piano! And uh, Kingsley Sage is their keyboardist, and Matt Palmer plays guitar. All and right. I think they may have a stagehand or a, an unknown fourth member, Mike. So about a couple weeks ago, uh, Kingsley contacted us and said, Hey, we have our tracks out on the Pondsafe Music Network. I believe they have three tracks out there. And I just responded. I'm like, hey, that's great. Yeah, I'd love to play your stuff. And actually, we did. On uh, 15, we played Fallout Renegade. He actually had City Canyons, their label, send me a CD. They recently signed with a yeah, New York-based independent right, right. label called City Canyons. I got the CD from City Canyons, and I, I listened through it and... Just it's got like an emotional kind of feel to it. I'm like, oh, this is definitely good. And then I contacted Kingsley and said, hey, "Would you guys be interested in recording an interview with us?" Nice. And this show is is this the is results it. of of that interview. Well, that's cool. 
You got some good info there, Kev. You know, we can check them out at uh, www.animo.co.uk. Right, and Animo is spelled A-N-E-M-O. Right. So check out the website. Uh, give them a little visit there. See what's going on. Uh, but for right now, we're going to check out Slow Burn. And we'll play a little track, uh, introduce you to their, their style a little bit. For the first tune here on the Swagcast with our uh, Animo exclusive, we're going to check out uh, Slow Burn. Bruce, but I've no heart 
So that was Slow Burn. Thanks a lot, guys. Nice. <laughs> you like that? I had a shout a little because I was all leaning back in my executive leather chair here. I am the executive in charge of the Schwagcast. I just let Kevin do all the work. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Let's step this up a notch and uh, yeah. get into our conversation with Kingsley and Matt and Hazel. Okay. So that was Slow Burn. Hazel, what was your inspiration for that? And slow burn. Um, I think I don't know if it was a conscious decision for the track to come out like that necessarily. No, we did want to try something different with it, didn't we? Obviously, we brought in Gary. Well, we brought to in, do in a, the, we brought um, in a, a friend of ours who plays the double bass yeah. because it seemed like a good idea. We uh, wanted that kind of that feel, that very kind of vibrato and that reverb well, with the strings, and I, I think we wanted the idea for a double bass simply came because the, the track is built with principally around double bass mm. and a uh, electronical loop. Yeah. So the idea was having had the electronical loop that having listen to Brown Paper Bag by Ronnie Size and Represent, mm. thought that double bass yeah. might be quite interesting yeah, to put with that. And the piano riff was uh, something that Hazel kept on playing over and over, and, and so much so that eventually I said, why don't we just do a song out of that? Mm. Uh, and it sort of all came together. I didn't even realise that Hayes wrote that piano part. I've learned that today. That's a bit, <laughs> that's a bit of a newsflash for me. I, I was assumed it was uh, Kingsley, but there no, you go. She, just, no, 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 no. I just played all the right notes. Yeah, <laughs> just In the right the order. Just rearranged them a bit <laughs> yeah no, it was just something you were playing one afternoon and I said yeah. what is that and you said yeah. oh, it was something I was just playing along so I, I said no it's fine it's quite nice let's develop it sort of absolutely. thing absolutely Oh, hey, thanks. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So I was wondering, guys, what kind of methods do you use to develop your music? I mean, do you sit down and think of a lyrical line or a drum riff or something first? What, what techniques do you use to develop your music? There's no set formula, is there? Nine times out of ten, it tends to be the music that comes first. We have a riff or something that we like the sound of, and then we sort of develop it from there, or maybe I might come up with a vocal melody or a riff at home, and then we just build from there. There's no set structure. Wouldn't you agree, lads? No. <laughs> <laughs> you lying bastard. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I mean, it, it just varies, doesn't it? Sometimes it's a guitar riff and sometimes it's Kingsley's idea. Or sometimes. Yeah. Have we written anything where the vocal line has come first? Johnny Five, I already had that at home. I already had lyrics and everything for that and I knew what the structure for that was going to be and then it sort of built from there, really. We brought it into the studio and it went from there. I think there are definitely some ideas where all the music is essentially put together, isn't it? And there might, But often that's done in tandem with at least some idea of a vocal melody. Yeah. But the the lyrics are virtually always the last thing to get finalised. Yeah, and then I say, I can't sing over that! That won't work! <laughs> yeah, start again. Yeah. That's rubbish. <laughs> That's rubbish! <laughs> again. Again, yeah. But no, in, in, I think uh, in conclusion, the answer to your question is there is no set formula, but it does seem to be probably even more recently working on our second album that the music seems to be coming first and then melodies and lyrics later. All right. That makes sense. Interesting. Happen- second album. You know, it mm-hmm. happens different ways every time. Yeah. It's and not just, formalmatic though, where right. as like what you were saying before, you don't really sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a song, and so yeah. now I do this, and then I do this, and right. then I do this. Now, there might be Sable. steps that you take inside each of those pieces of the song that you'll do the same every time. As would be expected. Right. You know, you have to just excuse Kevin. He slows me down quite a bit here on the show. Anyways, I've got a question. Do you have any unfulfilled musical ambitions? You know, maybe an instrument you want to pick up or, or a venue you might want to <laughs> perform in. I'd like to play ukulele naked on the moon. I knew it would have to be a space reference. <laughs> I knew it would have to be a naked reference. <laughs> I did have a desire to learn to play the theremin, and I went and got a theremin, but I'm not at all convinced I could say I could play the thing. 
Um, I can frighten small children and animals with it, and I can annoy the hell out of my neighbours with it. Might be nice to be able to play that quite well. I'd like to be able to play the drums, but I haven't got the patience at all to be any good at it. But that'd be really cool hmm. to be a good drummer. And the other thing I'd like to be able to play... Well, I don't want to be able to play them. I just want to have some bagpipes so that I can... <laughs> I could basically piss people off yes. to play them really badly because they sound awful if you can't play them. Yes, they sound absolutely dreadful. Fact, it dates, Simply ghastly. It dates back to a time I was staying in a hostel down in Newquay and some 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 <laughs> some, some guys next door had a they were playing like acoustic guitar with a harmonica as well. And it was about twelve o'clock at night and I really wanted to go to sleep. And uh, I thought if I had bagpipes now, I'd be sorted. I think I, I so I'm going to sympathise with Matt. I'd like to to probably play the drums as well. It's it would be cool to play the drums. And also, I used to play um, alto sax for a while. And uh sounds a pretty sad story, really, but I ended up selling it because I needed the money. And so I wouldn't mind perhaps picking that up again and getting a bit more proficient playing that. It's a cool instrument, I reckon. Yeah, it's got to be used in the right context, though. I mean, you know, it was quite a fashionable instrument sort of in the 80s. And it sort of, everybody cringes normally when they say the word sax yeah. now, but it's got, to be, it's got to be used in the right circumstances. It features in quite a lot of blue movies, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> so it's alleged. Yes, you would know. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. <laughs> uh, so, OK. I'm you... with a wah-wah guitar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow. Um, Wembley Stadium with 72,000 in it yeah. might be quite nice. A nice intimate affair, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people who wanted to be there as well. Yeah. I do. Who weren't, yes. you know. Not, not we just like. Dragged there. Crashed the FA Cup final or something. Yeah. Like, started a busket song. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah, I think I'd quite cool. like to play the Royal Albert Hall just because it's a really. Yeah. That's that, where all that the be best cool. people play and it's a, it's a cool um, it's a cool setup with the audience surrounding you and stuff. And the Brighton Centre. We might be on the main stage there because it's kind of a hometown, so it'd be nice. But Wembley would definitely be good. A, a theremin? Yeah. That's funny. You know, I just heard Matthew Ebel talking about a theremin. You make music. Theremin? I thought that was like something you took when you felt like you were going to start getting the flu. He was explaining how you can actually play the instrument without touching it. I need to learn more about that. Yeah, me too. So, hey guys, where do you get your inspiration? In terms of a guitar riff, then usually I'll, I would just be messing about on the guitar and, and something will kind of come to me that I'll like. Yeah. But then equally, sometimes, <laughs> depends what mode I'm, I'm writing in. If, if you guys have already come up with something, then I'll just obviously listen to what you've done and that will be a large part of my inspiration is what is already there and what I think is going to add to what you guys have come up with. Mm. I think from my point of view as a singer, I think it's very, very different as far as inspiration because obviously I'm the one that's crafting the, the shape for the melody that's obviously what we've, what's we've gone before. I've got to build from that to create a structure that has an emotion and has a hook and everything else and gets the story across in, you know, two and a half, three minutes. When it comes to, to melody and vocals, I do tend to try and latch onto something that... I've either thought about in the past or something that's happened to me in the past or is happening and the emotion then comes into the song in that respect. So you, you draw from situations. I think King should tell the story about the Gregorian monks. About the Gregorian monks. Is that for yeah. the... Um... I'm not having them round you again. <laughs> <laughs> Caused me no end of trouble, them monks. Piano theme in Johnny Five actually comes from a piece of medieval music dating to around about 1350 or something like that that I came across whilst listening to the Choir Works programme on Radio 4 on the BBC. But given that it's written in about 1350, I think they've been dead more than the necessary <laughs> 75 years. Um, so you're saying there's, there's no copyright issues for us? We're saying. <laughs> Not unless... An, yeah. <laughs> 
noble order of monks are going to come yeah. no you like that sort of music he listens to a lot of choral stuff and mass and you know men's voices and I think yes. that also is quite quite <laughs> useful Welsh. when you say yeah, men's voices he's a Welsh voice. boy <laughs> singing the choir but um I think also with regards to, to Kursk as well, because, you know, it was the same sort of idea there, wasn't there, for, to have the idea of lots of, you know, lots of male voices to replicate the idea of, of those men being sort of trapped down, down in the submarine. So it's just, it's, that's, I think that's something that you quite like and you tend to put into well, that's an idea. To every track whenever mm. you can, basically. Yeah. I think Kursk is a good example where there was a definite focus for the, yeah. for the lyrics because mm. it was it's about the time we of, the, had a subject, of the Kursk yeah. disaster and we decided yeah. we'd write a song about it. Mm. And I mm. think it's quite a good thing to write a song about. Yeah, it's, it is our sort of bohemian rhapsody really, isn't it? It's, you know, we're kind of quite indulgent with that track. But at the same time, I think it's really different and experimental and we had a lot of free reign with it and that's what I love about it. And Kingsley got to tweak and press lots of buttons and tweak lots of knobs and things on the desk and he loves doing that, so, um, you know... All right. We, we get cool. inspiration sure. from each other, too. Yeah. Sometimes Kevin inspires me. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you left it hanging there. I'm not yeah. quite sure what you meant by that. Yeah, so Johnny Five is another track that they have out on the Podsafe Music Network, along with Fallout Renegade. Okay, that's cool. Podsafe. What, uh... What projects, you know, maybe albums or, well, I should say CDs or shows or any kind of internet activities or anything? What do you guys got up your sleeve? What's next for Anemo? Well, we've been doing quite a lot of podcasts. We started making our new record, our second album. Yeah, doing quite well. Still talking to one another. (laughs) Yeah, which always helps. I think with the second album, you know, we... It's something you've got to, to grow and change and experiment all the time, and I think we're definitely doing that, and I think... I'm not saying the entire album will will you know not have what what we inherently class as animo sound, but I think we are trying to to develop that and try some new ideas and different styles and techniques and obviously try and improve on the first album. And yeah, I think we all want to feel like like we've grown from the mm. first album. Well, the the great thing about the first album is it's really diverse, but mm. in some ways it'd be nice to have a second album that is a little bit more um, cohesive. But I guess in terms of what's next for us, really, we've got this UK release coming up. Mm-hmm. Hoping to have the record out in yeah. the UK soon. And we'll be doing some gigs to support that. So mm-hmm. so we have radio promo to do, and we'll be doing our own promotion activities, hassling our friends to phone radio stations, etc., demanding that they play our stuff. And then we're going to hide away in a super-secret location and hijack all of the television feeds to all of the world stations simultaneously. Yeah. And demand one million dollars. <laughs> one million dollars. <laughs> one hundred billion. Or we'll broadcast pictures of us in our underpants in the middle of the Super Bowl. That's new. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how their style evolves right. in their second album. Right. Looking forward to that. Good luck releasing Slow Burn in the UK. Yeah. Hope it does well. Hey, I see that uh, Kingsley and Hazel are mainly credited on each track and Matt only on half of them. Do you or, all in, yeah. get involved in writing? How do you guys do it? Because Matt's surfing most of the time. Yeah, it's mm. just, you know, who comes up with it first. I think it's fair to say as well, at the time that I joined, there was already some material mm. in the library. Yeah. And so basically a lot of the earlier songs I wouldn't have had that much to do with because they were essentially written. And then even quite early on, it was the songs have been written over a fairly long period of time haven't they so it's just and ideas are sort of bubbling away yeah and there's outside you know we've, we've worked with other people or you guys have worked with other people mm. as well so mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a 
but exactly. I mean, no one's particularly <laughs> concerned about it. What, what share everyone has it's just uh, whatever sounds good gets put on the album basically yeah whatever we all agree on and um but even stuff that maybe I'm not credited on or maybe some of you guys are not credited on that we, we all have some input to the final recording anyway because there'll always be you know a guitar part that I played on there or, mm. or something anyway but makes sense Matt came on later yeah, yeah. that's cool fit in well and good sound your your lyrics to me evoke a, a pretty strong emotional reaction, whether it's a, a slower song or, or some of your harder stuff. What message do you intend, if any, for your listeners to take away after they sit down and listen to your album or attend a performance? Nausea. <laughs> Headache. That's from Kingsley's production, I hasten to add. I think, you know, from a vocalist's point of view, I don't think... There, you know, there, I'm trying to get a particular message across or anything like that. I think it's, I wrote a, a, a record or a song at a particular time that meant something to me, so I was in an, an emotional place within for that song for that time. And people should be able to interpret the songs however they see fit. You know, what works for them and their circumstances at the time. Do, um, do there you is see no it? right or wrong. I don't know if there is a message as such we intend for listeners to take away, but I think. Generally, <laughs> subliminal ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to. Well, if you play the album backwards, I think it's yeah. track nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I mean, I think a- anything that makes people think a bit, and uh, you don't want to spoon feed people. You want people to kind of. I mean, I guess my point of view is that it's firstly it's a good good music and mm. a catchy melody, and you like to yeah. listen to it. And if you can read something into the the lyrics, and it's an interesting story, or it makes you think about something, then so much the better. I just, I just actually reminded something I read a few weeks ago. If anybody remembers from the 1980s, Nick Kershaw, who had, uh, his biggest <gasps> hit record was a, uh, a track called The Riddle. You know, there's a tree by the river, there's a hole in the ground. And people used to ask him and used to write to him saying, we've solved the riddle. And he used to get really irritated with this because there's absolutely no bloody meaning in the thing whatsoever. Mm. And he just put the thing together and it sounded quite <clears> good <throat> at the time. Yeah, there, 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 you're right, there isn't always a meaning to it it's just Not what always. comes out just what sounds good what works for the track i think it's fair to say that you you know you you, you tend to want to find a lyrical content that somehow seems to fit mm. the music definitely so there's some kind of synergy between yeah. the emotions you feel when you listen to the music by itself and then yeah. okay what Absolutely. makes sense so i mean i think i think one that we were quite quite keen on and came together quite quickly was prey mm-hmm. which you know there's hopefully will be on the next album but no, that was very much Kingsley's idea. He'd seen something on the news and he wanted to comment on it. That's a story of a BBC news reporter, um, John Simpson, who was caught in a friendly fire incident, walking down a road, and suddenly the next thing he knew, he'd been blown about 25 foot uh, out of his way. And where was this? Uh, a road somewhere outside Baghdad, I think. Mm. They got absolutely bombed uh, by the Allied forces. Um, his cameraman died as a consequence. He said one of the first things he thought uh, when he opened his eyes after the initial bombing incident um, was just the fact that he was alive. And it just seemed quite an interesting idea to go away and develop a song about. Mm. And I think that really does come across, I think, very much so in the chorus. You know, it, it's, very, it's very uplifting, I think, as a song. It's, it's very emotionally strong. Um, and it's probably one of my favourites. I think it, it's a great song, actually. But then Kingsley then says to me, right, over to you then. You've got to sum- to summarise this emotion and, you know, write the lyrics. And it's it's a tall order sometimes. But I think we did, it- hopefully, we did that song justice. I really like it. Mm. We did a good job. Do you see it as a means of communicating at all? Or 
No, I just wonder, because, I mean, you, you write most of the lyrics, so yeah. I wonder if you kind of think what drives you to to want to write the stuff and make it public there are there are some things which are definitely a conscious decision where i say i want to write a song about this and i do do that you know but oh sometimes it's just it's just the sound that we're, we're creating you know when, when we start to play around with the music i just think to me this is kind of leading me down this this sort of path i mean especially for something like made of fiction you know because it the whole song is so it's what I call sort of dark dance rock. You know, there's a lot of sort of samples in there, and it's just really catchy, poppy, dark stuff, and I love it. And therefore, I wanted to relate to that with, with the content of the lyrics. Therefore, I, you know, we came up with the, the idea of it being called "Made of Fiction" about you know everything being fiction about what you write about people isn't necessarily true, and, and creating this whole storyline that's kind of quite cartoonesque, really. And that's that's sort of the, the basis for that for that particular song you know but obviously you've got to listen to the lyrics and work it out for yourself as to what you think it really means but hey that's cool speaking of made of fiction let's spin that tune here on the swag cast what do you say kev let's give a listen let's check it out it's from their slow burn cd by animal as it is all the songs we're playing tonight made of fiction right here on the swag cast <laughs> Do you think we don't see you in the shadows trying to be the invisible man? Do you think we don't know you take our every word to make of it what you can? Go get your inspiration, your own sense of adventure. Left with my memory, left with your taint 
I'm made of fiction chasing time and time again Please go away cause I'm feeling so drained Go away, go away, I ain't gonna play You think we don't see you in the shadows trying to be the invisible You know, I can hear a lot of different elements and styles of music in there. A lot, True, of, a lot of different stuff. You know, what was it that uh, did it for you guys? What was your, your primary influences and what was the trigger that took you there? Well, anybody who's ever looked at my extensive CD collection. Um, <laughs> ten CDs, everybody. Which is at least ten, ten <laughs> CDs. They're all choral. <laughs> I grew up on a mixture of classical music, um, early electronica, um, all sorts of things, really. I mean, my record collection contains everything from choral works to well, things like Depeche Mode. And, and he's even got some Jack Johnson now. We're bringing him into the modern day. And PJ Harvey and yeah. stuff like that. I don't know if there's any particular one set of influences. I listen to quite a lot of classical radio, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, for me, I think it's... My dad was a blues guitarist, you know, so I've sort of grown up listening to more that style i'm talking old school blues here um and then you know i grew up on all the the good stuff like you know acdc and i suppose zeppelin and henry gross and all kinds of things you know and as i got older i think my taste has broadened a lot more you know i quite like my my funk my jazz and and everything else so i i think what what i love about our setup is i think we all have such different musical backgrounds and a so you know, so 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 many lovely things that we can bring to the mix. I think that's what just makes it very much an organic thing. It's always growing, and that's hopefully what Anima are about. So I think it's nice that we don't all come from one style or prefer one style or category of music. I guess I can talk a little bit about my, about my influences. Um, I grew up um, started playing guitar about when I was about eleven, and um, I th- what made me want to play guitar was. Um, Guns and Roses, and there's probably you know a million kids out there who could say exactly the same thing. After I heard um, Appetite for Destruction, so that's when really I started album. playing. That's when I started playing, and then um, I got into. I kind of, I guess I was into Metallica and uh, Alice in Chains, and getting into the whole Seattle sound. So I, you know, like Soundgarden mm. and stuff that you know more recently, um, Rage Against the Machine, Audio Slave. So definitely the heavier element is what I bring. 
Um, and I try and be as creative as I can be. I'm quite keen on um, Nine Inch Nails, and I like a lot of the newer Marilyn Manson stuff. There's some really interesting production and guitar ideas and stuff, so... I guess where I come the from. The next album will be really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. The next album because it's kind of been as it's been written. We've got a kind of this dichotomy between these these mm. uh, acoustic kind of numbers and then yeah. a couple of really heavy riffs. So we'll 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 see what happens with that one. But no, I mean I, I like I like a lot of the stuff that Matt's men- mentioned as well. Hey, you know that's cool. Somebody it's, will like this sound. Another person likes that sound. And yeah, and whenever you bring all you that, that stuff together, together and it kind of morphs into uh, a new sound like Animo. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what, what their second <laughs> yeah, it'll be cool follow-up to see what, speaking of, uh, CD is going to be You like. know, the CD. You know, you guys recently signed with City Canyon Records in New York, and we'd like to give you congratulations there. I, being Kudos. myself, being a musician, it's got to be a good feeling to get that recognition. What's the plans for Animo with, with uh, City Canyon Records? Slow Burn is our first album for them, and we've just started work for a second album uh, for the label as well. And uh, we look forward to, to a long and fruitful relationship with them. They're a small independent label based in New York. Um, that's worked quite well for us. Um, we have our independence uh, musically and enjoy the artistic freedoms to go in the directions that we think are appropriate, to explore the ideas that we want to explore without people saying that you need to be moulded or manufactured in yeah. some particular way, shape or form. We're not a pop idol kind of, uh, or an American idol no, kind of um, in act in, in any sense of the word. No. Um, teeth aren't good enough apart from anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Speak for yourself. No, so very much we're enjoying the relationship that we have with them, and uh, we look forward to many more albums and, uh, and and being superstars and all that kind of stuff. I think the only thing that I'd say is there's a lot that you can do yourself, and we have done a lot of yeah. stuff ourselves. On t- on the, especially Rega- on the first album, regardless of production. Of it, I mean, but in terms of promoting, there's a lot of stuff you can you can have a go at doing yourself, regardless of whether you've got. A label or not but there's a lot of internet radio stations and podcasters and if you're prepared to peddle your wares you never know if someone's going to pick up a track um, the only advice i can give is, is never to lose sight of the fact that you're supposed to be having fun doing this because if you stop <laughs> having fun with it liar liar no, that's a terrible lie actually um then you might as well go and work in an office job or something like that the only advice i can give you is is Get out there and tell people what you do. Do things like engage with, with, with the podcasters and the podcasting community. There, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of interesting things. Mm. There's internet radio. Don't just Which get stuck massive, in the conventional you know? mould that you're going to sit at home and watch a record company uh, break your record because that just Doesn't isn't it. Like really you need to be out there yourself. talking to people, writing songs, getting people to play your records, telling people about the sort of thing you're doing, writing to people, getting on MySpace, doing all of these kinds of things. And, of course, writing new tunes and, mm. and, and playing and performing. Um, but this kind of idea that you're going to sit back and while well, a record company puts your record into the top of the charts. I mean, anybody who thinks that that's the way in which the modern recording industry is working is is just fooling themselves right, i think you may have uncovered it Quincy. it's just that it sounds cliche but you've really got to write what you want to write as well don't feel that you have to fit into a certain category or write a type of a formula that you think works because you think it might be commercial or whatever it is you know you've got to produce the music you want to produce i think it's uh, well i just wanted to say that we you know i i feel we spend at least as much time trying to promote the stuff ourselves yeah. as we do on writing the music mm. and that's one side that other bands I've been on been involved with sorry Just have don't. not haven't really taken that on board and it's all very well writing recording the stuff but unless you get out there and start trying to publicize it and put it out there then 
Um, just play it to people and, it and be prepared to accept what people's people's opinions and the things that they have to say. Mm. It is hard work. It's really hard work, but you've got to do it. That's so, cool. We'd like to know. Let us know. Hey, Hazel, how did uh, you and Kingsley actually get together? Uh, what 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 was the the catalyst that that brought yeah. the two of you together? Shall Over I? a cup of tea, British way. I put an advert in a local magazine looking for a vocalist. We had a number of vocalists uh, reply to the advert, a mixture of... It was, it was a bit like a sort of an episode of American Idol. The, the, the hideous, the unrighteous, the unwashed, and the simply terrible. <laughs> and I think I'd had the misfortune of listening to 21 fairly terrible vocalists, all of whom seemed to be labouring under the misapprehension that they could sing, when the 22nd one came, who was possibly one of the worst... That's a bit harsh to Hayes. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was actually Hazel's flatmate of uh, the time. Yes, it was. This is um, true. Just shortly <coughs> before we reached for the shotgun um, to send him on his way, he happened to mention that his flatmate was a singer. So I gave him a telephone number and uh, that was that. And she phoned up a couple of weeks later and we got together over a cup of English tea. Mm-hmm. And she quite immediately could sing rather better than any of the other 22 Dark Lord of Sith vocalists that <laughs> hazarded their way through the door. And it just kind of went from there. Really. Okay. I do. I did actually think I was. I, was, I phoned Kingsley up and I said, uh, you know, I, I was quite interested and I've been told that you're looking for a singer and some new projects to work on. And um, he said, oh, you know, just come over a cup of tea and bring some music and we'll see what happens. And I thought I'd breathe in and out within like 20 minutes. And three hours later, mm. I was still there. And they, yeah, they really put me through my paces, actually. And I got very good locks on the door. <laughs> but, uh, and like, the rest is history. Ah. <laughs> The 22nd interview turned into a disaster, but Hazel wow. was the phoenix that rose yeah. from the ashes. <laughs> That's cool. Some good info. It's it's always fun to listen to uh, stories of musicians and what brings them together in different times. And, you know, if you changed one thing or if you didn't go do this this one day, if you hang demand, out at home. Happen. And yeah. There's so many variables in there. Does that make sense? Barely. Right. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. Well... So I'd be interested to know, uh, how'd you guys pick up Matt? How'd he uh, figure into the equation here? Hazel and Kings did put an advert in one of the local free ads. I just finished university and I was planning to spend a year in Brighton. And the whole idea of having this year off was to get some music stuff um, going. And my original plan had actually been to get some stuff going with a band I was in, which the bassist and the drummer were hanging around in Brighton. But they weren't. They, they proved themselves to be... Uh, uh, to large extents for large lengths of time pretty un- unobtainable so <laughs> <laughs> for reasons I won't go into and uh, so I ended up answering this um, this advert and I guess I was basically auditioned and um, and luckily they best of a bad bunch we thought didn't yeah, like, is, yeah it, we didn't need the shotgun again yeah <laughs> it's like it'll do for now and they've never managed to get rid of me yet yeah, so absolutely what are your musical backgrounds and training no, yeah, I grew up in a circus gentlemen Please. <laughs> no, no, actually, seriously, no. Uh, musical background, I trained as a classical pianist from an early age, about, oh God, um, five years old or something like that, all the way up through the classical grades, playing classical piano. Got into music electronics, I guess, as a teenager. Um, pestered my parents endlessly until they bought me an experimental synthesizer that looked like a minor type of telephone exchange. <laughs> Um, and used to frighten the neighbours' small animals uh, with it, and just Still kind does. of grew that way. I'm interested in sort of music electronics, uh, music production, and uh, performance. Also, 
learn to play the violin a bit, although I think possibly it's best for humanity if I leave the violin in the box. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I suppose I've just been lucky. I'm, I was singing from a very young age and, you know, was always in the choirs and did the solos and all that sort of thing and studied music at school and at university and had professional singing lessons and, you know, performed in various bands from the age of sort of 15, 16 and broke up due to musical differences and all that sort of thing. Ah, good old um, musical yes. differences. Um, and then later on, was just very, very lucky to... I mean, well, actually, I'm jumping slightly. I mean, I was, I, a lot of influence, I think, and help came also from my dad, being a guitarist and very into his music. So we used to jam together a lot when I was younger and write stuff together and even perform together a few times. And then just really through determination and the process of elimination, that you know, with working with this probably some of the wrong people I was very lucky that this opportunity came up with Kingsley and from the very first you know audition I just sort of knew that this was a guy I was going to get on with and have fun with and extremely talented and hopefully we could work together yeah Matt's not bad either you know so it's uh... okay he's got his own guitar and everything (laughs) yeah he's got an amp that we can't actually lift out of the studio because it weighs three tons I started off I was forced to play piano when I was really young and I got to about grade one or something, and then I gave up because I thought it was rubbish and I hated playing it. And then I played violin, which I was a bit more into, and I lasted on that about three years and did a few grades. But then, um, yeah, but then I, I really wanted to play guitar, and it's one of those classic situations where the one instrument you want to play, your parents have no interest in you playing it particularly, and you have to kind of really stick at it before they'll uh, take you seriously. Mm. But I had, I had guitar lessons for a a couple of years I suppose and then I think most of my in a lot of ways I learnt by being in bands and I started playing in bands at school and doing gigs here and there and was even gigging around Brighton when I was only about 15 or 16 so yeah that was basically how I learnt I suppose not at all conventional in terms of guitar playing it's very different to being taught classically just because you don't you know I can't read or write music I just everything's done from listening and just playing and jamming stuff out a lot more. Mm. Again, very diverse. Yes. You you know, and that's what... You hear it in the sound. I think you really do hear it in the sound. You know, I understand the the meaning of the word animal, but what made you name the band that? (laughs) Over to Hayes, who decided on the name. (laughs) Yeah, it's all my fault. Um, Well... If you want the, the, the funny side of the story and the one that sums it up quite quickly, trying to come up with a band name, I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll flick through the dictionary and see if there's anything there that kind of springs to mind. And as you can probably work out for yourselves, it didn't get very far. A and N. And I mean, well, no, it's not completely true because. No, we were stuck on the word and. Yeah. <laughs> I think Anima was the next one after and. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. I mean,. Yes, I mean, animo comes from anemometer, which means to, you know, sort of to measure the wind, isn't it? It's like a... From the Greek. From the Greek. Animos. Yes, which is true. But also it, it can be, it can sort of mean to change form. And that was the bit that sort of struck me about, about the word, really, and how it's interpreted. And I just thought that actually does sort of sum up what we're about and the type of music we're producing because we do come from such diff- different backgrounds and have different influences we are always the music i think very much evolves and i think all these different influences really do come in and, and really show on the tracks and the way we put things together so for me animo had a bit of a punch to it just like the way it sounded and also meant to change form so that's it what also I means in it. record stores that your records are right near the front of the shop because yeah, the band true. name begins with an a yeah and with a surname of woodhurst you see i was always the last to get yeah, called on the register at school 
cool. So yeah, yeah, it's A for me all the way. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. if it's an A, it's going to be right in the front. Right. That's very logical. Good plan. Mm-hmm. And I like that to change forms. Well, up next, we wanted to play I Was Taken In. Hazel, can you tell us a little bit about where you came up with the lyrics or how you developed the music? Okay, I Was Taken In came from just a previous experience of mine. You know, everybody says these things, they all have messy relationships and things like that, and that's very much what that was about. It was about having been with a certain gentleman who, uh, we won't say any names, obviously, but who uh, I found to be very manipulative of people um, who were friends of his, his family, and uh, very much a, a very controlling person and that had a quite serious sort of knock-on effect with our relationship and the relationships he had with friends and family and that's what the title means being taken in by somebody who's got this kind of almost hypnotic and magical quality about them and you can't always you get into a situation where you can't see the woods for the trees and that's why it's quite angsty because it's about a not particularly pleasant time in my life but at the same time gave me um, some great ideas and hopefully I was able to to get those out and vent any leftover frustrations by by writing that track so So all you need to do to create an album of great rockets is a long string of dodgy boyfriends. Yeah, does help. It's my best work. Well, just say something about that song because it's got one of the, the guitar parts I like the best out of well. anything I've, I've played on the album. So for me anyway, I think um felt like it added quite a lot when I came up with that kind of chugging guitar yeah. part for the choruses and it fits really in with the loop. The loop kind of has a bit of phase on the drums and so kind of there, there's a wah-wah pedal that's slowly being rocked forward on the guitar and it all ties in really nicely and I think um someone who had written a review of the album likened it to the chorus of a helicopter trying to land in a hurricane or something and i thought mm. that was quite um, I like that quite a nice analogy yeah a note for viewers don't actually try landing a helicopter in a hurricane don't don't even yeah. fly it, it, it's don't not it. such a it's great idea good. no no we tried it <laughs> that's, it's, that's, ru- a, it's rubbish that's how we recorded the <laughs> song it's first time helicopter. Yeah. we lost control of the helicopter <laughs> it crashed into in a terribly unfortunate manner up next i was taken in answered my ad Needed for a band Came into my world So intense, so smart, so new You were relentless You were determined And I was taken in You were so charismatic So sexy, so seductive You were persuasive And you were hypnotic So dark, strange, beautiful And I, I was taken in I lost it Keeping you at arm's length And I, I lost it And you took a strong hand in the pain I could have had her I lost my 
anything on your side frantic You shut me down but won't cut me loose I've lost all my fight My state is she fabulous freaking nature It's a service that you all admire But when you close the door and turn off the smile I'm witness to the cruelty I was taken in, of course, by Animal. Of course. Right here, exclusively on the Schwagcast. I uh, I got a question. I'd like to know, what song do you have the most fun performing live? I don't have a particular song that I have fun. That, I don't have fun performing any of the songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's very stressful. <laughs> yes. I like... Don't, don't play it that fast. That's the yeah, wrong time. Yeah. It's not in that key, normally, you know. I like playing Made of Fiction because it's upbeat and it's quite a challenging guitar part actually because it was written out of um basically chopped up sampled guitars <laughs> and yeah. it's never intended really yeah. to be played but it is it actually makes a, it's really quite a heavy it piece that's very fun. intense and energetic and stuff yeah. i also um, like it when we do slow burn because it often means that me and mike can go and have a quick pint while yeah there. that's true because that's just piano, piano. nine of the ten we do it stripped down and it's it's kings on piano and me singing obviously but yeah that's normally when we say go and get the beers in lads isn't it at that point cool yeah i can see yeah i have the most fun listening to it yeah it's a fun song so with uh with you guys being in the uk how did you hook up with a new york independent label yeah what's the connection there uh the answer to that actually is we put up some tracks uh, a bit like the Podsafe music network we put up some tracks on, a, on another scheme called uh, music to deal which is based out in, in hamburg in germany which is a sort of a, a website which people can advertise songs that they have uh, for play or for use or licensing and all of those kinds of things 
and uh, City Canyons are a member of that particular scheme, and they heard some of the tracks that we'd put up on there, and they got in contact with us and said, we really like what you're doing, and have you got any more tracks? And the relationship kind of just built from there. So I guess I have to say thanks to Mario Cristiani in Hamburg, mm. because that's the way it came about. Yeah. It was kind of very lucky. a case of... Uh, Almost by accident. Mm. You can spend so so much of your time actually looking to, to find a, a deal with a record company, and we weren't particularly looking kind of the other way around in this particular case. Yep. And like you said, you got to stay true to what you want to write. Stay true to the music and have fun. <laughs> yeah, you got to have fun. Yeah. It's all, it's all about having yep. fun. So Animal gave us special permission to play Slow Burn, and I was taken in. Okay, thanks. Made of Fiction is available on the Podsafe Music Network. You can check them out at music.podshow.com. Check Animo out on the web at animo.co.uk. A-N-E-M-O. Which, by the way, we, we certainly would like to thank you for your, your time and your efforts for uh, Thanks a lot, guys. hooking us up with the interview. Appreciate it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for hooking me up with City Canyons Records as well. Yeah, we, uh, we enjoyed the conversation back and forth and, and finding out some interesting facts. Uh, definitely got a couple laughs. Circus. <laughs> <laughs> Ukulele's on the moon. Oh. Oh, you gotta love it. That was uh, that was our show with Animo right here on the Swagcast, though. Man, it didn't rhyme. No, that doesn't uh, really rhyme. I tried. Well, thanks for sticking <laughs> through us and Kingsley <laughs> and Hazel and, and Matt through Swagcast number 20. Number 20. 20. In, in the books. Yeah, that's cool. You can get the complete show notes at Schwagcast.com, S-C-H-W-A-G-C-A-S-T. Dot com. Or you can call us, 206-350-IPOD. 4763. You can send us an email. At schwagcast at gmail.com. One way or the other. Let's Give us some feedback. You. Let us know what you thought of Animo, the show, the site. And uh, all you troops in the Jakarshan Army, woo! Hang in there. Rock on. So uh, anyways, I would like night. to thank everybody for listening. Yeah. Appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the flip side on show 21. Good night. Later. Don't press stop. I thought we were done. You said the show was over. Or is Are you whole... recording? Yeah. That just reminds me of <sighs> how rude you can be. <laughs> That's some good coffee, Mike. <laughs> At least you're not making coffee on the air. I've actually heard people in podcasts doing that. So what? What's the matter with that? Um, because they're away from the mic. Oh, they got, they got grinding going on in the background. Besides the smack of phonophobia, sap of something. This show has been preempted by Crackers with Peanut Butter.